What's up guys, Pastor John here. We pray that this message encourages you in your faith journey and we believe that God has an incredible plan for your life and our hope is that tools like this sermon will help you become who he has created you to be. Now listen, in order to truly flourish and thrive like God intends for your life, it takes community. What I mean by that is we don't believe that simply by attending church online alone that you're going to be able to become every bit of who God has created you to be and who you want to be to grow spiritually. You need other people. And we would love to help you connect with other people right here at Greenhouse. True growth happens when we're rooted in a community that supports, uplifts, and walks alongside us. And so with that in mind, we would love for you to join us in person on Sundays right here at Western High School or in microchurches throughout the week. Um, listen, if you don't live near our church here in South Florida, please reach out to us. We would love to help you find and thrive in a local faith community near you. We're excited to partner with you as we all become passionate followers of Jesus. God bless you. Good morning, everybody. All right, that was, ha that was half hearted. Good morning, everybody. That was rowdy and rousing. My name is John, one of the pastors here. I just gotta let you know, this past Sunday, I got to be with our, our crew for DT, which is discipleship training. We run it once or twice a year. We had 31 people in there. That's the most we've ever had in the history of our church. Exciting things happening. This group is amazing, an incredible group of disciples. I'm so excited to see what God is gonna do in and through them here in South Florida. Pretty incredible stuff. Last week, we kicked off our series called Restore. Everybody say Restore. We're tracing this theme of restoration as it spans the trajectory of scripture, looking at what God promised in regard to restoration holistically, all throughout every facet and area of our lives. Last week, we sort of established the case that we need restoration. Can I get an amen? We need restoration, and, and we've begun like that. We talked about the hope that is found in Jesus in the promise in Scripture to restore in every facet of our lives, to restore all things. If you missed it, I encourage you to check it out on our podcast or YouTube channel. Search Greenhouse South Florida, and you can find it there. This week, I want to jump into this first specific component of restoration that's promised in Scripture, that's promised in His Word. We're going to be looking at the words of Jesus. This is a promise for restoration to go from the chaos and frenetic place of life to a place of rest. This morning, I want to talk about the restoration of rest. That sound good to anybody? Say, just take a breath. Stand your feet as we get ready to read and honor God's Word. I know it's like spiritual musical chairs but you'll be done in a second and you can sit down and listen. Uh, Matthew 11, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. If not, we got Sky Bible on the screen. It is Super Bowl Sunday. Who, who we got? I'm, I'm curious. Any Kansas City Chiefs? Who, who's got the Kansas City Chiefs? The 49ers? Who's got the 49ers? Anybody like, can they both lose? Like, is that a possibility? That's kind of me right now. I'm like, the Chiefs don't need to win anymore, right? They've won enough. And the 49ers, other than NorCal people, like, no, who likes the 49ers? I'm just like, oh, whatever. I'm a Dolphins fan. I'm a little salty, as you can tell. All right, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. If you're ready, say, preach, preacher. All right, I will. Jesus is speaking to the masses, to the crowds, and he says this. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and listen to this promise, and I will give you what? How many of y'all know Jesus is not a liar? He always tells the truth. If he promises rest, it means he will deliver on rest. He says, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. You're like, what exactly? Not eggs. We'll explain. And learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, there it is again, rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's pray. Jesus, 
We believe you. For so many of us in this room, online, watching in Guyana right now, we know you tell the truth. You are the truth. You are the way. Help us, remind us, teach us to follow you. And Lord, anyone that's here and they're exploring faith and spirituality, Lord, we're so honored that they're here. Would you allow them to sense your presence, your goodness, and your nearness and the amazing plan you have for their lives? In Jesus' name, all God's people said, turn to your neighbor, give him a high five. You can find your seat. Kyle already had you kiss your neighbor if you're married to him, so happy Valentine's Day to you. Anybody here do or ever has done CrossFit before? Any CrossFitters? Okay, now I know all you crazy people out there. All right, awesome. Uh, there was a season of life, not right now, but there was a season where my wife was into CrossFit, uh, and, and she was doing CrossFit and was, in fact, doing CrossFit well into her pregnancy with our first child. Uh, now, if you're familiar with CrossFit, it, it is not the easiest workout. It's sort of that high-intensity workout thing, and so she was doing it how many, five months in, six months in, it was doctor, doctor, you know, good, thumbs up, and, um, and I remember towards the end, she was quite pregnant, and she's like, hey, I don't think I'm going to do the CrossFit thing anymore, I'm going to take a break, would you like to join me, and, uh, and it was like, a, some of you were already laughing, because you know where this is going, she's like, would you like to join me, and, um, and so I was like, you know, I lift weights, like, how hard can it be, famous last words, so I, sure, that sounds great. And so I went with my wife to her box, you know, the CrossFit gym that she was a part of, and, and they start doing things, and we start getting into the workout, and, and I'm good, and I'm fine for like a solid 10 minutes of the hour-long workout, up until it comes time to do like these up-down things. Now, I blame this. In, in football, I call them up-downs. They, they have some other term for it in CrossFit world, burping, burping stuff, something about burp. But anyways, that's what it did to me. So anyways, you have to like go down on your, on your stomach and you pop back up and you spin around. It's like the hokey pokey gone workout time. And I just, listen, my equilibrium apparently is not made for this sort of a thing. And so I'm doing some other workout stuff. I'm fine. I start burping the burpees and I start burping for real. And so I was like, hey, I just need to go get some air. And, um, and I went into the bushes and um, y'all know, if you heard the running story, like how many times do you vomit trying to win your wife's approval? It's it, just pray for your pastor. It's a recurring theme in my life. But I remember I was I got so out of sorts doing this CrossFit burpees thing workout extravaganza. And I just remember coming back and they're like, hey, you want to jump back in? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm just, I just, you know, just, I, I'll let you guys do it. And uh, it was very humbling. Maybe you've never been there, but we all have a problem when it comes to feeling worn out. It spans cultures, it spans continents, it's one of the epidemics in our modern era. We have a problem of weariness, feeling tired, exhaustion, overloaded, overwhelmed, overstressed. And I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but this phenomena is not slowing down. In fact, it's only speeding up. I nerded out this week looking at where we're at as a culture, and I found myself on this article from the Gallup poll. They said, picture this. You've just left a meeting where you and four of your team members spent time talking about upcoming projects and expectations. Statistically speaking, three out of four team members are likely to feel burned out on the job at least some of the time. According to the poll, 76% of employees experience workplace burnout at least sometimes. According to another survey conducted on 2,000 individuals by one poll, they did this on behalf of H&R Block, 59% of Americans find it extremely difficult to balance work and their personal schedules. 
In fact, the average participant claimed to be so busy that they only get about 26 minutes of free time a week. Some of you were like, I feel so seen. Yes, I knew I should go to church this morning. 26 minutes of free time a week. Maybe you're here right now and you're already like, the heart palpitations are starting. You're like, oh gosh, the to-do list is already creeping its way into the forefront of your mind. We are a people and a culture overwhelmed and overloaded. Our inboxes are full. Just thinking about Gmail right now. Our fridges are empty. Our laundry is piled up like the Tower of Babel, wicked as it might be. Bills need paying. We're missing deadlines. We find ourselves frozen in what's come to be called a paralysis by analysis of all the things tugging on our schedules, unable to prioritize or often even identify what should come next. Can you relate? To use the age-old analogy of the lumberjack talk, chopping down the tree like our, our blades are dull and our bodies are tired and our minds are overtaxed. This is where we're at empirically. Now, I know y'all are exceptional people, so I'm sure no one can relate to this, but I'll say I can at times. So what do we do? Here's what we do. Often when we experience or identify the overwhelmingness of our modern world, we try to escape. We think things, we say things like, man, if I could just get, and then fill in the blank, if I could just get, a four-day work week, that would do it. If I could just get that vacation on the beach, like send me out to La Playa, that would be it. If I could just get, you're not a beach person, if I could just get that mountain getaway, then I would do it. If I could just get that fill in the blank, that raise, man, just a little bit more. If I could just get that promotion that I've been working for, man, if I could just get, and then we get it. And we go on the beach vacay, and it's amazing until it's over. And then you're right back, because wherever you go, there you are. You get the opportunity. You finally get the, the raise. You're like, man, it's amazing. You get the promotion, and you realize, wow, now that I'm promoted, I have more stuff and more stress. You're like, oh, no. You get the raise, and you're like, the prophet notorious was right. More money, more problems. Like, I just, ah, man, like, we get the things, and they scratch the itch for a moment only to leave us often worse off than we started. You been there? It, it, it doesn't fix it. We've got a legitimate cultural crisis on our hands. You guys probably know the statistics. We experience the reality. Anxiety skyrocketing. Like we're feeling the tension and the pressures of our modern world. Yet when we try to do things out here, it only fixes it for a moment. Now that's a problem. The good news with that is there's also a solution. See, the problem is that we are so often looking to external sources to solve internal angst. It's a Band-Aid on a gunshot wound. It doesn't, doesn't fit the problem. It doesn't solve the dilemma. St. Augustine, the famous African church father, said it like this, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Remember the thee we were singing to, exalting earlier? God. Here's a big idea if you're taking notes, I'd encourage you to jot this down, and I hope that this will be a helpful time for us together as we look at this dilemma and we look to Jesus for solutions. Here's a thought. Our rest is not fundamentally found in a place, but in a person. 
for all of our looking and all of our searching and all of our longing, we often don't scratch the itch because we're looking in the wrong place. Our rest is not fundamentally found in a place, but in a person. And so what I want to invite us to do for the next few moments that we share together is to look and listen to Rabbi Jesus this morning as he seeks to restore rest to the restless. How many of you are up for that? All right, let's dive in. Point number one is this. There are two invitations from Jesus in the passage that we just read this morning. The first one is this. Come to Jesus for your yoke. Everybody say yoke. You gotta be yoking me. Come to Jesus. Dad jokes, I'm gonna be full of them. Come to Jesus for your yoke. It was just begging for it. All right, verse 28, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus is doing two distinct things here when he invites people to come to him for his yoke. On one hand, he is using a rabbinical metaphor. Now, you, we talk about this, but Jesus came in a specific subset, time of culture, a specific place there in Israel. Jesus, what was called a rabbi, a Jewish teacher, and rabbis, Jewish teachers at the time, like Jesus, had a yoke. What this meant was metaphorical. It was a specific approach to the scriptures. It was a specific approach to life. It was a specific way that you would approach God and life. It was a rhythm. It was a pace. Other rabbis would boast on their hardcore yoke. Man, you won't survive this one. And, and the disciples would be like, oh, I want to be with that rabbi. Jesus was like, here's my yoke. It's easy and the burden is light. It would have been like, what? This is what he's doing on one hand. But he's also doing something quite literal. He's doing metaphorical and he's doing literal. Jesus was the master communicator. It probably helps when you are the word to have good words. Jesus was both talking about the metaphorical yoke teachings of the rabbis, but also in an agrarian society, he was directing their attention to a yoke. I've got a picture up here on the screen. A yoke would have been popularly used. It is still used today throughout the world in agriculture. What a yoke would be is this little wooden thing in between the oxen. What a yoke would do is it would yoke two animals together so they could work in tandem to do whatever agricultural sort of chore they were given. They were delegated, and so they would plow a field together. They would harvest the grain together. Now, the reason the yoke was so important is because the young bucks would be overzealously charging to, to go do a field, and if they were not yoked to a veteran, they would burn themselves out. They would fly at the first field with all the passion and energy they could muster, going as fast as they could, only to be dead and depleted one-eighth of the way through the job. And so what they would do in, in the wisdom of agriculture is they would yoke together a seasoned veteran ox with a newbie kind of just getting started ox, and they would have the young guy learn a sustainable pace from the veteran. Is that, are you tracking now with the genius of Jesus? Like, I'm telling you, no one is like Jesus. He's hitting them on all these different levels. And so he's getting their mind thinking. He's like, listen, you got to come and be yoked to me because my, they're like, well, what kind of yoke? Because I'm going to have to go at whatever pace your yoke is. Well, here's the great news. My yoke, Jesus says, is easy. My burden, Jesus says, is light. Follow me, come to me, and you're going to find rest for your souls. Now, this was 
One of, I had two big aha moments studying this text. And one of the things I love about the Bible and God's word, it's living and active. And so you can read it a hundred times and each time get something different because God's speaking to you in a different way. You're in a different place in life. One of the big aha moments was this. I believe, like many of you believe, Jesus tells the truth. How many of you are like, yes, I believe that. Okay, so Jesus makes a value proposition to his audience then and now. He says, come to me, weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you what? So the byproduct of coming to Jesus is what? Okay, track with me here. Here's what this means. If you are not experiencing rest, it means in some way at least you are not coming to Jesus. Right, like this, this was challenging for my own. I'm like, because I, I, like I don't float out of bed in the morning. I know I'm a pastor and I don't know what you anticipate pastors do. You're like, what do pastors do all day? Just levitate and pray? Like, no, okay, I have two young kids. Survive sometimes, right? But like, I get out of bed in the morning just like you. I have challenges just like you. I have seasons where I walk in the shalom, peace of God. And I have other seasons where I'm like, Jesus, take me now or take the wheel, but you gotta take something because it's not gonna go well, Right? What this means for me is the same thing it means for you. It's the same thing it means for us. When I am not experiencing the rest and Jesus promised, come to me and you will have rest, it means in some way, large or small, I am not coming to Jesus because he promised rest. Are are you tracking with me there? Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burden, I will give you rest. The problem, according to Jesus, is not that you are unyoked and like a feral ox running about the field aimlessly. The problem is that you are yoked to something else. The propensity of the human soul is to yoke ourselves to things. Like we, we are yokers. Couldn't help it. That was too easy, dad joke. Too, no, you keep going, keep going, just pray for me. We are yokers. We are living for or yoked to something. Now, this yoke would be what is setting your pace? What is establishing your rhythm? What is it that you are looking to for direction and and the means by which you will operate? We are yoked to something. What is setting your pace? What is defining your priorities? For some, it's a spouse. For some, it's career. For some, it's kids. For some, it's approval of those around us, peers, of those underneath us, of those above us. For some, it's success. There are all sorts of different yokes. The problem is that if you go after any of these yokes, let's say you pursue success, let's say you pursue approval, like you get it for a moment and then it's gone, like mysteriously. It's what Solomon described in Ecclesiastes, like grasping for the wind, all vanity, like you, you get it. And so the problem with any other yoke, with any other pace setter for your life other than Jesus is that even if you get it for a moment, it's an unsustainable pace that never stops and leaves you tired and weary and worn out. Here's what I want you to understand if you follow Jesus. And if not, you can listen in and decide for yourself if you think he's the way, the truth, and the life. I do. According to Jesus, if you're weary, it's not just because your job is wearing you out. It's not just because your boss is ridiculous. It's not just because of the politics, God help us, we're in 2024, Lord. It's not just because of the fast-paced environment. It's not just because of the, if you are weary, it is fundamentally because you have adopted some other yoke other than Jesus. Jesus is the only one who promised the easy yoke, the light burden. 
Jesus is the one who said, come to me. Now, here was the second fascinating thing I'm gonna nerd out with you guys for a bit on Bible stuff. Jesus, I've heard this passage, I've preached this passage, I've read this passage, I've never seen this before. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest, right? He promises my yoke is easy, my burden is light. In Jeremiah chapter six, someone else utters almost the same exact thing. You know who it is? God. In Jeremiah 6, this is what it says. This is what the Lord God says in Jeremiah 6. Stop at the crossroads, look around, ask for the old godly way and walk in it. Travel in its path and you will find rest for your souls. If you've ever been like, well, where does Jesus actually say that he's God? Well, there's no Bible verse that says, and then I am God, but he actually says it throughout the scriptures if you have ears to hear. He says things like, before Abraham was, I am, and he says things like, in Jeremiah 6, God says, come to me if you're weary and I'll give you rest for your souls. And then Jesus stands up in Matthew 11 and says, come to me if you're weary, you'll find rest for your souls. Translation, here it is. The thing you've heard about is here right in front of you. Jesus is the God man. Jesus is God. Paul says he's the image of the invisible God. We get a picture in Jesus of what God is actually like. And here's what blows my mind. God is humble and gentle and approachable. Humble and gentle and approachable. Jesus says, take my yoke. He doesn't say, if you're weary and heavy burdened, you fool. How dare you? You sinners. He doesn't say any of that. He's like, if you're weary and heavy burdened, just come to me. Just come to me. Jesus promises when you're actually joined to me, when you're yoked to me, come and I will give you rest. And when you're weary, it's because you've gotten yoked to something else or someone else. Now, the beauty with this is that it is not associated with any guilt or shame. What the enemy of your soul would try to do is to get you feel so bad, and now you put on a whole different yoke. It's called shame and religion. You're like, ah, I knew I was blowing it. I got to work harder. No, that's not what Jesus said. Listen, if, if you're investigating Jesus and faith, and so often he gets so poorly misrepresented, here's what I need you to understand. The one who, could, who is the judge, like Jesus, he is the righteous judge. He will judge all of humanity. The one who is the judge is the least judgmental person you'll ever meet. It's amazing. Like, do you see that Jesus is like, I see exactly what you're doing and you're working for all the wrong things even though I told you, man, just, just come to me. I got you. Let, let, let's take it off your shoulders. Let's take the pressure. Let's take the weight off. You got the weight of the world on your shoulders? Jesus doesn't say, you fool. Yeah, good luck with that. See how it works out. He says, just come to me and I'll give you rest. Jesus is humble. Jesus is gentle. He's lowly. The call is just to get re-yoked. Dallas Willard said it like this. He says, an easy life is not a promise from Jesus, but an easy yoke is. That'll preach. Almost, that one hit me. In the past few weeks, I read that. I'm like, man. He said, an easy yoke, uh, easy life is not a promise from Jesus. In fact, Jesus said, in this world, you will have troubles. If you're like, man, I started following Jesus and life got harder. Yep, that's often how it works, especially at first as you relearn to live. An easy life is not a promise from Jesus, but listen to me, an easy yoke is. Jesus says, take my yoke, learn from me. And point number two is to learn from him. First is to come to Jesus for our yoke, for the thing that is defining us and setting the rhythm and the pace of our lives. And the second thing is to learn from Jesus. Look at verse 29. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
Now remember the premise. Our rest is not fundamentally found in a place, but in a person. This means that Jesus is our righteousness. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our rest. He's the who. He's he's the one that we're looking to. He is the person. And the who has a how. Like Dr. Seuss going spiritual. The who has a how. Like it's his yoke. It's his path. It's his way. Jesus says you can learn from me. I love how Eugene Peterson put it in the message, which is sort of a paraphrasing of scripture. Gets nuance. He says, are you tired? Anybody? Worn out? Burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. Jesus says, come to me. Learn from me. This is the humble teacher and rabbi Jesus who gladly invites you into his classroom of life. Here's my point here. We need a pace setter for our lives that is not culture. Remember from a few weeks ago, the whole message about, how are you doing, man? Just busy. Remember the busy message? And it's like, we need a a pace setter for our lives that is not culture characterized by frenetic busyness and hurry sickness, actual disease, and that isn't us. Here's what I mean by that. Some of us go too fast. Any like type A driver personalities, you're like, yeah, that would be me. Like, okay, like I, if you cannot tell, uh, I have a good amount of energy uh, in life and in preaching and in everything. And so like my, D, I am the type A, like achiever, whatever the Enneagram, you three, whatever you think, like I'm going after the stuff. I want all the things. I love it. I enjoy it. And so I'm going there. And if I'm not careful, I will get ahead of Jesus and his yoke and be choking myself out, falling on the floor. I'm like, what's going on, Jesus? And he's like, you're trying to drag God. That does not, you don't win tug of war with God. You just lose. Some of us are wired where we go too fast, which is the wisdom. Isaiah 40, it says, even youth shall faint and be weary and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who, what does it say? Sounds like a cuss word to some of us. But they who wait on the Lord, he will renew their strength. Then they'll mount up with wings like eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They will walk and not grow faint. It says, those who wait on the Lord, listen to me. If you are like me and you're a go-getter and you're a driver and you like to run after things, you're like, ah, you're like, like, sometimes I'm even gonna shoot first and aim second. Like, I'm just going. Here's what you need to understand. Sometimes Jesus is trying to lead you to help you avoid and stay away from sin and the devil. Sometimes he is just trying to save you from yourself. He knows our frame. He knows our constitution. He knows us better than we know ourselves, which is why he says, hey, come to me and learn from me. Some of us go too fast. And some of us go too slow. Some of us are wired in the opposite direction. Jesus is moving ahead and we're like, "Ah, I'm just gonna wait back here. And we're getting, we feel dragged along by life. We feel stuck in fear and indecision. We, we feel that paralysis by analysis struggle. We feel, I, I don't know what to do. And we feel like life has left us behind. Maybe you even have said that before. Man, I feel like life has just passed me by. Here's the great news. You can walk with Jesus at the perfect pace. 
So you never have to worry if you got left behind. Kirk Cameron. Jesus says, take my, <laughs> Jesus says, take my yoke and learn from me. Why? And, and here's why. Because if we're not careful, and I've done it, you've probably done it, you might be doing it right now. If we're not careful, we will tap into this reality. Man, I'm overextended, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overcommitted. Ah, and you feel all of the overwhelmingness. And so what we'll do if we're not careful is we, in self-determinate faction, just cut everything out. I'm just, and, and, and everything's canceled and everything, you're bailing on all the things and whether it's quiet, quiet quitting or you tell someone, you're just done with all the things. And here's the problem. What you end up doing if you're not careful is you don't just cut out the life-sucking things, you cut out the life-giving things as well. And now you're really in trouble. And now your soul is really in danger. This is where I think we often unexaminedly miss the wisdom of Jesus. In our cultural framework, we understand the needs for experts. Like you go to med school, they don't just hand you a scalpel and say, figure it out, right? Thank God for that. We, we have driving schools because they're not just like, here's your license, I'm sure you'll get it. Like you, you're like driver's ed or your parents or your parents are like, I just can't, they just get somebody else. But like we, we have, like you don't just go to the gym and, and pull every pulley any which way. Like we've all seen the blessed souls who have done that. Like you got a personal trainer or someone to teach you how to work out. Like we understand in our culture the need for experts, right? Are you guys tracking with me? Like we get this. I need someone who's, who's been down the path a little bit further. Here's what Jesus is saying. You actually need a life expert as well. Because fundamentally, if you're going to fix the hurry epidemic, you don't just need self-directed tweaks. You need a new director. You need his yoke. You need his pace. You need his way. You need him. How does God restore rest? How do we learn from him? Jesus said, come to me. That's the first step. It's a decision and an ongoing decision. Come to me and learn from me. One of the ways we learn from God is through his word, his promises, his precepts. In Psalm 119, it has all of these reminders. God, revive me according to your word. In verse 54, your word has revived me. In verse 37, God, revive me in your ways. God revives us through his word and he revives us through his ways. What I mean by this is very practically, when you find yourself in a situation where you feel weary or heavy burden, the question to ask is what teaching, what way of Jesus can I learn from here that will restore my soul? So I want us to do a little test. I wanna give you a tool here. I, I just called it for the purposes of this sermon, the weariness inventory. So if you're taking notes or if you're not, pull out your phone and jot this down because I want us to use this this week as like a spiritual, emotional, self-diagnostic tool, okay? The weariness inventory. What Jesus is not saying is put on my yoke because you don't have a yoke. What Jesus is saying is put on my yoke because the one you have on right now is killing you. Which begs the question, what am I being yoked to right now? Career success, approval of others, wealth, fame, comfort. All right, so here's how this weariness inventory works. Question number one, are you weary? That's where it starts. There might be seasons of life where the answer is no. That's amazing. You're following Jesus. You're probably keeping pace with the, with the wise ox, the good shepherd in front of you. And, and, but, but there are seasons when we are. Are you weary? Question number two, why? Why? This is a question disciples ask. Why? What's the yoke? 
What's the, what's the root? What's the core reason for that weariness? And then step number three is application. Remove that yoke, that leader, that idol, that master in your life, that fake God, and put on Jesus's yoke. All right, so let's, let's try this out. Question number one, you find yourself in a spot. It's like, are you weary? And the answer is heaven, yes. Yes, okay. Question number two, why? Well, just my, my, my schedule, like my daily schedule, my, my weekly schedule. I feel like I don't have any time. Like I'm, just, I'm stretched every which way. I, I have all these commitments. I'm, I'm overcommitted. That, that, that's why. I just got way too much on my plate. I'm overcommitted. Okay, great. Why? What do you mean why? I'm just over. No, no, no. But why are you overcommitted? Well, I guess pe- people ask me to do things, and I, I just feel bad. I don't want to disappoint people. Ah. Ah, now we're getting somewhere. Now we're getting to the root. Now we're getting to a yoke. It's, it's not just busyness, it's approval. It's approval. Now here's where this gets absolutely vital. If we are not careful and we do not have a life director named Jesus who is helping us live according to the way that he has designed us to flourish and thrive, what we end up doing often by default is we eliminate the things from our lives and schedule that culture sees as non-essential that often Jesus says are absolutely essential. Like if you're familiar with the Eisenhower box, some of your leaders, business leaders, you might nerd out on this stuff like I do. Like it's like productivity, like the important and then the not important and then the urgent and the not urgent. If we're not careful and we feel overwhelmed, we almost always by self-directed default remove the important but not urgent things from our lives. Which means often for short sprints, the stuff on the outside flourish while the inside dies. We eliminate things like community. Worship, prayer, Bible, Sabbath, things that Jesus says are vital that culture says are optional. By the way, this is a great litmus test, even now if you're online, if you're in the room. One of, one of the great warning signs that you've begun to drift from the yoke of Jesus is when you begin to drift from the things that Jesus says are vital and culture says are not. When you don't have enough money left to give, when you don't have enough time left to serve, when you don't have enough emotional bandwidth left for EGRs, extra grace required people, we've all got them in our lives. We don't have enough margin in your schedule for rest and for worship. You're like, John, I, I, just, I, just, I just can't. I just don't have time. I know most of you. You're amazing people. I've watched, you could do anything you really want to do. You, you can. Like, I've, I've watched it. Humans are possible of all these amazing feats. We've been wired by God to do all these incredible things. You actually can, the fundamental issue is that you've got some other yoke. Oftentimes you even want to, but you feel bound, stuck. What it is is you are yoked to something often unexamined. All right, so let's go back to the overcommitted schedule example. Are you weary? Yes, why? I'm just, I'm just overcommitted. My schedule is too busy. I just, just feel so frantic in the way my life is being led. Okay, let's go back there. You're weary, you're overwhelmed, you're too busy. So if you're not careful, you cut out community and worship and prayer and Bible and serving Sabbath. And it works, oftentimes it works for a sprint, and then you find yourself a month, two, three down the road worse off. On now, now it's not just your career and your schedule that's out of whack, your soul is out of whack. Your soul is not at rest. Here's the great news, there are other options than to do that. I, I went, I was just curious, 
I've been reading the past couple of weeks on, on flourishing and rejuvenation, coming back from sabbatical and wanting to stay in a great space like I got and, and really was able to be in a great, big, great space during sabbatical. So I came across some statistics that were very eye-opening for me. Maybe they'll be for you as well. Uh, the average American spends, can you guess how many hours a week on social media? Throw out a number. 17.5. Now I know you guys are above average and like you levitate all day, but like the average American, 17.5 hours a week on social media. How about television? You wanna give me any guesses on that one? Yeah, 21 hours per week, per week, mind you. So 17 and a half hours per week on social media, 21 hours per week on television. I started, I geek out on like the neuroscience stuff. I'm really, I'm really intrigued by it. And we continue to find as we get more evolved in learning about neuroscience that God was right all along. That's basically what happens. You know, we're finding stuff. We're like, oh, that's what God's been saying for thousands of years. Go figure. It's like he made us. So here's a neuroscience on productivity. Um, I, I'm, I'm a leader, an organizational leader. And so I was like, man, I've always wondered the four-day work week, you have all these innovations. So here's what they found. According to the neuroscience, they have found that the human productivity is all, like optimally found at 40 to 45 hours a week. Like, oh no, I thought it was gonna be 30. No, it's 40 to 45. They found that between 45 and 50 hours, this is, this is the science, this is the brain science. People way smarter than me have looked into this stuff. Between 45 to 50 hours, you have passable quality of work. Like, yeah, it's, it's fine, like it, it gets the job done, it's okay. Like ideal 40 to 45, 45, you know, once you get 45 to 50, it's okay. Once you pass 50 hours of work, again, this is the science. Once you pass 50 hours of work a week or more, the quality diminishes so significantly you'd be better off if you didn't do it at all. Let that sink in for a moment. That's the science. That's the research. So why would we keep doing it? Because of a yoke. Well, well if my, what if my peers, what if they jump ahead because they're working 60 plus hours and, and I'm only, what if my boss disapproves of me setting a, a rhythm and a pace of life that's, ah, that is possible. Now you're having to trust, to trust Jesus. Now it's an act of faith. Now I think, I know this church community, I know you guys, I know you care. You genuinely love God. You have a heart for God and other people. If you go back to the 26 minutes a day, remember the average American says they have 26 hours of free time a day. I'm guessing they do not factor in the free time of 17.5 hours of social media and 21 hours of TV a week, right? Because if we really ran the cost benefit analysis, I'm sure we would decide which is more important, your knowledge of pop culture or your peace, right? It's almost laughable. You're like, duh, like which is more important, the flourishing of your career or the flourishing of your soul? Remember Jesus when he's like, what would it profit someone to gain the whole world and lose their what? We're living it. Your average American, not just like, oh man, the godless one. Your average American is living this. You're, I would probably say your average Christian, you, I are in danger of living this. But it can be different. This is one of the reasons Jesus is so tangibly and practically important, and I would argue necessary in our modern world, because in real time, we struggle to do the cost-benefit analysis accurately, which is why we need a life expert named Jesus who invites us to learn from him. Now, all of this requires faith. 
like there is a very real FOMO of like, man, what if I'm not on social media and I miss the latest trend? And like, you know, you're a pastor when you tell people to read their Bible. Okay, great. Like, what if I don't, what if I don't do these things? I don't, okay. That is, guess what? A yoke. So what if people don't approve of you because they don't think you're in touch with the, okay. That's valid, but it's a yoke. All of these are, are yokes. It, it, it takes faith to follow Jesus in his approach to life, in his sustainable rhythm and pace, to believe that his way and his path are better. But here's the alternative. If we are not careful, if you and I are not careful, we will end up left to our own devices saying and genuinely believing one thing and doing another, which is why Jesus invites us to take his yoke and learn from him. Listen, I am trying to do this. Like, I sent Nancy an excerpt from a book that I'm reading. I'm like, babe, on Sabbath, like I don't wanna touch social media and I wanna try to lose my phone. So like this Saturday, I'm thinking about it. Like yesterday, I'm thinking about it because I know I'm gonna talk with you guys about it. Multiple times during the day, I found myself picking up my phone and like jumping on social media. Like, what are you doing, John? You hypocrite, you know? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, it was just like a default setting. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm just sitting around, whatever, there's spare time, like jump on Instagram, I'll open up Facebook. And I'm like, I never walk, maybe you're different, you might be totally different from me. I never walk away from like social media scrolling thinking, I feel so fulfilled and deeply at peace in my soul. Contentment is overflowing from me. Lord, I worship you. Like, that never happens to me. Maybe you have much more godly follows than I do. I'm just saying, I'm trying to live this stuff because I feel it. I'm a pastor, I'm just a dude, I'm just a guy. I'm trying to follow this Jesus walk the same way you are. But I've watched it work. I've seen it change my life. I've seen it change the lives of so many in our community. Let me give you some really practical ways I've seen this be transformative. Maybe you're stressed about finances. Maybe you find yourself, you're, you're up at night, you can't sleep. You're thinking about finances. How are ends gonna be? What can we do? And maybe you actually have enough, but it's still there. It's running in the background. You're like, I'm not even stressed about putting food on the table. I'm stressed about 401k and future retirement. The world might be done by then. Jesus might come back, but I'm still stressed about it. Jesus said, Jesus said, give the first 10% of your income away. Matthew 23, 23, you can look it up. It's a tithe. It was before Moses. It was during Moses. It was talked about by Jesus. You're like, John, you don't, I don't think you understand. I'm stressed about money. I don't think the solution is to give it away. But it is. I, I, I hear it over and over again. I've lived this in my own life. Nancy and I do this. Like all of a sudden you give that first 10% away and all of a sudden you have less money and more peace. How does that work? I don't know any other answer other than Jesus tells the truth. And you have removed the yoke of self-provision and put on the yoke of God provision. It's faith. It's trust. It's amazing. You're stressed about your career. I said, my career is so competitive and it requires so many hours of me. And you heard me do like the statistical thing about that work week. You're like, oh, that would be nice. You don't know my industry. Okay, I get it. I, I, maybe I don't. You're stressed about your career. Here's what Jesus said. Take a day off every single week. It's called the Sabbath. I know Christians have nine commandments, but the Bible has 10. One of them is Sabbath. Designed for our flourishing, not because God needs our help to do his cosmic God duties. <laughs> He's good. He cares for you. You're like, John, well, I, I just don't, I, ah, uh, I don't know my boss, ah, my industry, ah, I just don't know. You do realize like people never respect boundaries you don't establish, right? 
Like if you're waiting for your boss to be the boss of your life, not just your job, they will not be. That's Jesus and you. So you're like, all right, I'm, I'm going to trust God. And, and you take a day off every week. And you have less time to do your work, but you're a better you when you're doing your work. And so your work turns out better and you move it forward in advance. That happens. I see it over and over again. I'm not trying to say it'll be easy following Jesus. In fact, Jesus said the opposite. He does not promise an easy life, but he does promise an easy yoke. And his yoke, his teachings, his ways, they are for our flourishing. And listen to me, anything else is against it. Sin going against the path of Jesus and the flourishing he's laid out in his word, sin is against us. It'll leave you temporarily feeling awesome in the moment, but permanently drained as a path and manner of life. Sin does not rejuvenate you. It wears you out. It wears you down. Your body needs sleep. Your mind needs time off. We all need a break. But listen to me, what you need most is Jesus. What you need most is him. What you need most is a director for your life that is not you and it's not culture and it's not social media and it's not TikTok influencer. It's, it's God. Because our rest is not fundamentally found in a place, but in a person. Here's my invitation. I dare you, I encourage you with a smile to take Jesus at his word, to come to him, if you right now resonate with the weary, heavy burden, stressed, burnt out on religion, take Jesus at his word and come to him. Take some time this week. Sit down with a trusted friend. Sit down with your spouse. Sit down with your roommate. Sit down with your microchurch leader. Do the weariness inventory. Okay, yeah, I've just kind of been in general stressed out, overburdened for a little while or a long while. Why? And then when you identify the yoke, take that step of faith to remove it and put on his easy yoke and his light burden. This is like an episode of The Office. It's glorious. Always waiting for that to happen in real life. Come to Jesus. Take his yoke. Learn from him. And what's the promise? And find rest for your souls. Stop looking for your rest in a mountain vacation, in a beach getaway, in a promotion, in a career advancement, in a spouse, in a partner. All of those things will disappoint. Because our rest is not fundamentally found in a place or a human, but in a person named Jesus. This week, I, I had the illustrious privilege to live this out. I didn't feel particularly stressed until I tried to go to bed one night this week and I couldn't fall asleep. Like I typically have the selective gift of narcolepsy, put my head on the pillow and I'm out. And I'm tossing and turning and, and thinking about situations and decisions and, and big picture ramification things and I'm feeling all of these things. I'm like, Lord, and, and I'm sitting there, I'm like, I, I know it's gonna turn out, I know it. And, I, and I'm trying to self-talk my way into like going to bed because I was tired, but I couldn't. Have you been there before? And finally, I just stopped and I remembered my dad, my hero, he's since gone to be with Jesus. He used to tell me, man, son, anytime I find myself up and I can't go to sleep, he was wired like me and just normally knocks out when his head hits a pillow. He said, I just, I just start talking to God. And so I did that. 
And I just start talking to God and I start talking about the leadership challenges and start talking about the unknowns and the future. And I start talking about friends that are going through it. And I start, to, and I start talking to God about all this stuff. And I'm like, I didn't even realize all that was there running in the background. And I'm talking to God, talking to God. And, and at some point, about an hour later, poof, I knock out, slept awesome. And I woke up acutely aware of the fact that nothing changed. And yet somehow everything did. How? Because of him. And, and I don't know your, each of your individual situations. I don't know what sort of chaos is happening at home. I don't know what sort of crisis is happening in your marriage and your relationships. I'm not sure what sort of career situation you find yourself in, how the economy is impacting your current, immediate, or perceived future. I'm not sure any of that for each and every one of you, but he is, so come to him. Because when we do, we find rest. We find the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. And the great news this morning is you don't have to carry the weight of the world. In fact, you can't. So come to him. Let's pray. You can bow your head and close your eyes if it helps you focus. Have a moment of quiet and privacy just between you and God. Lord, I'm asking that right now in this moment, in this space, here in the room, in Guyana, online, wherever we might be watching from, Lord, would you come and step in? Would you remind us of our needs, some of us that are living unsustainable paces, choosing and opting out of the essential things for the urgent things? Lord, would you call us back to your path, to your way, to you? Speak to our hearts, Lord. Jesus, we invite you in. If you're here this morning and you identify with the weariness, with the heavy burden, here's great news for you. Jesus promised rest. And as we get ready to culminate our time together, I want to invite you, even right now, to come to him. Right there in your chair, in your seat, wherever you're watching from, come to him. Approach him by faith. Maybe you're a follower of Jesus. Ask him, Lord, what, what have I yoked my life to, my heart to? What am I taking my cues from? What am I looking to for my pace of life and for my ultimate satisfaction? What idols have I placed in the spot that only you should fulfill and truly satisfy? Invite him in. Even now, God, by your spirit, would you bring divine clarity and illumination. Now, whatever that yoke might be, I want you in your mind to remove it. That weight, that heavy burden on your shoulders, remove it and say, God, I repent. I change my mind. Metanoia, that's what that word repentance means. I changed my mind, but I, I want to change my direction. I want to walk in your way, walk in your path. I want to take your yoke. You're who I'm looking to for approval. You're who I'm looking to as provider. Obedience to you and faithfulness, that's my definition of success. Lord, I look to you. Remove that yoke and take Jesus' yoke again. Thank you.